WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Jenny Pierre. Our hope was that we would see him flee and immediate resignation, and um, it's very clear that he is an absolute idiot. We begin on Long Island, where at least two dozen protesters rallied outside a courthouse Friday morning as Congressmember George Santos pleaded not guilty on a 23-count indictment. WNYC's Bridget Bergen has the details. George Santos appeared in a federal courtroom on Long Island, dressed in black. He entered a not guilty plea on all charges, including identity theft, credit card fraud, conspiracy, money laundering, wire fraud, theft of public funds, and making false statements to Congress. His court appearance came just a day after members of his own party introduced a measure on the House floor to expel Santos from the body. After the brief proceeding, Santos left the courthouse without speaking to the media, blowing a kiss to about two dozen protesters. He's due back in court in December, with a trial date set for next September. Nearly all of the MTA's newest subway cars are already off the rails. The train cars, called R211s, were recently pulled out of service due to mechanical problems. WNYC's Stephen Nesson has more. That's the sound of an out-of-service R211 train lumbering through a station on the A-line. The train has a partially flattened wheel. That's what's causing the loud clinging sound. These modern, state-of-the-art subway cars cost $2.7 million apiece. They have wider doors, new digital displays, and electronic signal equipment. What they don't have is a reliable gearbox. That's the device that makes wheels turn. When they don't turn, they drag, damaging the wheel. Out of the seven new R211 trains in service, six of them are now out for repairs. The MTA doesn't know when they'll be back in service. Stay close. There's more after the break. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. Now to New Jersey, where a street in Newark will be renamed for Sakia Gunn this weekend. 
Two decades ago, the queer 15-year-old was stabbed to death in a hate crime at a bus stop at Broad and Market in the early hours of Mother's Day. While the murder was shocking to Sakia's community, her death didn't generate very much media coverage outside of Newark. Jenna Flanagan was a reporter at the time, assigned to cover Sakia's murder. WNYC's Michael Hill talked with Flanagan about her new podcast, exploring the impact of Sakia's life and death, called After Broad and Market. Here's their conversation. Tell us about Sakia Gunn. For those who are just hearing her name, who was she? She was your quintessential uh, 15-year-old millennial in the early aughts. Um, She was uh, just a happy-go-lucky, very energetic, very charismatic kid by a lot of people's descriptions. But she was also very out and proud and queer and lesbian. Sakia identified as AG. What does that term mean? Okay, so AG is short for aggressive. And again, this was one of those terms that when I first heard it, I was like, wait, what? Uh, Aggressive is a term that was used in the late 90s, early aughts, usually by uh, the black lesbian community. And that was a way to describe women who were lesbians, but dressed in what we would now say gender nonconforming or in a masculine way. Perhaps another term we might have used 20 years ago was tomboy. Um, But this is to more dress kind of like, you know, perhaps one of the boys with baggy T-shirts, baggy jeans, a do-rag, that type of stuff. The incident that ended in her murder began as street harassment. Would you tell us about her death and what it meant to other young queer black kids in Newark? As far as we know, I mean, not officially, but essentially the final words she might have said were, we're not interested, we're lesbians. And that's because Sakia and a bunch of her friends were turning home. They were hanging out at the Chelsea Piers, which was a very safe space and commonplace for a lot of uh, particularly queer kids of color to be able to be. And so when they were waiting for the bus on the corner of Broad and Market, um, on the morning of Mother's Day, I should add, these two men approached them in a car. One of them got out and started hitting on some of the more femme-presenting girls. Now, keep in mind, these are 15-year-olds, and the people hitting on them were well over a decade their seniors. So we've already got a mad power imbalance. And when Sakia stepped in to defend one of her friends and say, you know, we're not interested, we're lesbians, that's when a bit of a scuffle broke out and Sakia mm-hmm. ends up getting stabbed in the heart. The gentleman who stabbed her hops back in the car and they drive away and she's held in the arms by her best friend or, you know, if you're in the black community, her play cousin, Valencia Bailey, and literally just bleeds to death. Sakia was killed 20 years ago. Why is her story resonating so much now? I think because for the people who were there when this happened, This was shocking, not just in what happened to her in the manner which she was killed, but in the lack of response. Um, I myself was a very green, very new reporter for WBGO. And this was also, I would say, four and a half years after Matthew Shepard's murder and a year after, I believe, the film... The Laramie Project was released. So in all of that, we got a chance to see, you know, just the level of scrutiny, of detail, of understanding um, the nuances within that Wyoming community where this crime took place. And I honestly thought that that was going to come to Newark, except this time it was going to center a black girl. And that would include all of the uh, nuances and different layers of intersectionality that Sakia lived at. I know you covered this story when it was happening. Looking back now, two decades later, how has your understanding of this story changed? You know, so much has happened in two decades, and 
understanding, I think, is the best word, because as we've grown culturally and as a society, not only has our understanding of the spectrum of sexuality deepened and broadened, but so has the language around how we speak about people and where they fall on that spectrum. The whole time, at least for myself, carrying this story and never really knowing what to do with it, but just feeling as if it was never brought to any kind of conclusion, really, was that... Not only was Sakia's name really sort of lost to people outside of the Newark queer community, but also she could be a stand-in for so many kids in so many different locations. Like, it doesn't have to be Newark. The story could have taken place in Ohio. It could have taken place in Texas. And I think that's what makes her so um, ubiquitous to our time is that we're still losing young queer people, particularly trans women. And the stories just are sort of getting shrugged off today still. You know, just this summer, another young queer person was stabbed to death in a hate crime in the region. 28-year-old O'Shea Sibley was killed at a gas station in Brooklyn in July. What's changed since Sakia's death in terms of the safety of black queer young people? All right. So I can speak specifically for Newark and say that uh, as a reaction to Sakia's murder, um, the city did decide to open a uh, LGBTQ center, um, but it took 10 years to get that together. But I was hearing from the people who run those centers, a lot of kids, not only in Newark, but in New Jersey, don't know Sakia's name and they don't know her story. Mm. And they're dealing with a lot of the same issues that Sakia was in terms of feeling safe or making sure that they are in spaces where they can be their full selves and they don't have to edit any part of their personality. Now, again, I want to be clear, that wasn't necessarily the case for Sakia. She had a family who was very supportive of her. Her mother, I think in the podcast, says she didn't care how she dressed as long as she brought home good grades. But still, though, for other, again, queer kids of color, they're dealing with so many different layers of intersectionality still that don't fully get addressed. And in a lot of cases, it's because they're not fully understood. That's Jenna Flanagan, host of the podcast After Broad and Market, talking with WNYC's Michael Hill. Before we head out, a quick note. We're dropping another special episode Saturday morning. It's the fourth installment of WNYC's five-part investigative podcast series, Imminent Danger, One Doctor in a Trail of Injured Women. We'll look at the role hospitals play in ensuring patient safety and what steps the federal government takes to prevent doctors with questionable histories from moving from state to state. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Quick shout out to our production team. It includes Sean Bowditch, Ave Carrillo, Audrey Cooper, Leora Noam Kravitz, Jared Marcel, Jen Munson, and Wayne Schulmeister, with help from the entire WNYC newsroom. Our show art was designed by the people at Buck, and our music was composed by Alexis Quadrado. I'm Janae Pierre. Have a great weekend. We'll be back tomorrow.